All right, we continue our series this morning, uh, Forgotten Virtues. Remember what we're doing, right? We're challenging ourselves, right, as Christ followers about those virtues that uh, Christ would call us to display uh, out there in the world. And then we're also acknowledging the reality that uh, for the world, a lot of these virtues have become sadly um, uh, forgotten. And so first day uh, we looked at honor and uh, we looked at purity and we looked at loyalty. And so today we look at integrity, integrity, great word. Uh, as we start looking at integrity today, I think probably the best place to start is for us to all get kind of a working definition that we all can hopefully agree on about uh, what integrity uh, is. So uh, what I'd like to suggest is that here's a pretty good working definition of integrity. Integrity is when your head and your Christ-centered heart are unified in consistent action. What does that mean? It means when your your head and your heart are in unison together, and that act, that transfers into consistent action, right? So remember last week we talked um, about having kind of a, a divided heart, and that, that got you into problems in terms of loyalty, remember? Divided heart. Well, this one kind of goes, you need a unified heart. This kind of goes this next step to say, well, that unified heart that you have uh, needs to be in sync with your thoughts and your beliefs, and that issues into consistent action. So they all go together. A guy named John Maxwell. How many have heard of John Maxwell, read some of his books? Some of you out there, right? He's done a lot of books. He's a pastor, if you didn't know that. He uh, was pastor out of Skyline Church for a number of years. Written a number of books about, uh, about leadership. <clears throat> Excuse me, about leadership. And here is John Maxwell, Maxwell's kind of working definition of integrity. He says, integrity is deciding to integrate my heart's value into my daily actions. So it's when our beliefs issue in consistent action, when our heart and our beliefs and our head and our thoughts all issue into consistent action. And when that goes together, that is integrity. Is that a pretty good definition? You okay with that? Yeah, we can see it's actually a biblical definition, too, if you go into Proverbs uh, 11. Proverbs 11 says, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity, right, when there's separation, right? And so it really is about bringing this together. And, and we know this is, is true, right? Uh, we know that culture looks at it that way as well, right? That, that our thoughts and our actions, you can't say one thing and do another, right? They have to be together. And that's what integrity looks like. And we can look at John where Jesus displays that kind of integrity, where he's just the example of what he teaches and believes is consistent with what he acts, and his actions are consistent with what he teaches and believes. So you can see in John 10, Jesus says, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. So he's telling him what he believes, and then he points to his action. He says, the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. So what's going on? Well, his beliefs and what he says are consistent with his actions, and his actions are consistent with what he believes and what he says. And therefore, he is displaying integrity. He's displaying integrity. 
You get it? You with me? Now, here's the deal. The opposite. We know the opposite uh, as well. And the opposite we call hypocrisy, right? You know this, right? So if somebody says one thing and does another, we call them a hypocrite, right? Now, here's what it's, what's amazing, and, and to show you how important it is for us to talk about this. In the world, they have forgotten the virtue of integrity to the point that they expect hypocrisy. Let me prove this to you. You probably had this experience in your life one time or another where you've gone to the store and uh, you've gone through the checkout counter and in the days when you used to use cash, you remember cash? Remember what that looks like? Yeah, when you used to use cash, uh, you went through and, and you paid your bill and you got walking towards your car out in the parking lot and you started going through your change and you realized, uh-oh, they gave me too much money, right? I gave them a 20 and I ended up with like 30 bucks back, right? And so they, you got too much money back, right? And, and then you had an integrity moment, right? To turn around and go back in or you're at a restaurant and you get the bill and you're going through the bill and you realize that the waitress has made a mistake and hasn't charged you for your drinks or whatever, right? And, and you're in an integrity moment, right? And so when you exercise integrity then, and you go back to the store or you talk to the waitress and you say to the store clerk, hey, you know, I just bought this thing, here's the receipt, and, you know, you, you gave me the wrong change, you gave me too much, you know? Or you go to the waitress and say, hey, I went over the bill here, and I'm sorry don't want to cheat you because you didn't charge me for something. What is their response when that happens? Usually their response goes something like, I don't believe it! That's a... I mean, I don't believe you're coming back in here and giving me money back. I don't believe that you would do that. Is that kind of... You haven't had that reaction before? Now, think about that. Think about that for a minute. What does that say about our culture and its expectations? What does it mean that our culture expects us to steal and cheat? Our culture expects us to exercise hypocrisy. That's incredible. It expects us. That's why not only is this such an important thing for us to talk about as Christ followers, but that's why it's absolutely vital that as Christ followers, we exercise integrity. Because that is one of our greatest witness moments to the world. Because the world expects hypocrisy, and they even expect hypocrisy to exist in the church, you know that, right? When you start talking to somebody out there in the world who's a non-believer, and you start talking to them about Christ, and then they really feel kind of cornered, and they're kind of, you know, feeling like they're losing the argument or whatever, the discussion's not going their way, and so they kind of lob this big grenade out there, and they say, well, you know, those people in the church, people in the church, they're nothing but a, just a bunch of hypocrites. You've heard this before? What does that tell you? See, they expect the same behavior out of us. If you're a Christ follower, they expect the same behavior out of us. That's why this is so important to us, because this elevates us 
to a witness point in front of the world. Jesus calls us to that witness point. If you look at Matthew 23, in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to religious people. He's talking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, right? He's talking to the church people. And in Matthew 23, six times, six times, he accuses them and calls them out and calls them hypocrites. And here in Matthew 23, 25, he defines the hypocrisy, okay? Here's what he says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. There, naming it, right? You hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. What's happening? The outside is not matching the inside, and the inside is not matching the outside. That's hypocrisy. That's hypocrisy, the lack of integrity. And then he goes on to define, when it's together, integrity. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. What happens? The outside and the inside go together. The inside and the outside go together. One in unison reflecting the other in consistent action. We call that, what? Integrity. That's what it is. Integrity. So if we agree with all this, okay, that's integrity. Then how do we, if this is our witness point, how do we as Christ followers grow in our integrity? How do we grow in our integrity? Let me just name some things that the scripture lifts up, I think, to show us not just the importance, but how integrity happens uh, in our lives as Christ followers. First, we grow in integrity when we admit we need to. Well, we just start there. Well, I mean, we've all had that experience, right? Where we've been in the parking lot looking at that extra cash, or we've been looking at our bill in the restaurant, and we've been at that integrity decision point, right? And sometimes we do it, and sometimes we fail. And so some, we just need to start by acknowledging we need to grow in our integrity. And when we acknowledge that, we need to invite God to help us do that. And First Chronicles 29 kind of gives us the example of that. First Chronicles says, I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. But what does God do? In the verse, it says, God tests the heart. Here's what you need to do to grow in your integrity. You need to invite God to give you integrity moments. Invite him. Ask him. Plead with him to give you integrity moments. As you have those integrity moments, as you succeed in those integrity moments, your integrity will grow. And the more you succeed in those integrity moments, the easier it will be for you to succeed in integrity moments. Do you get the principle? It, it goes to a simple thing. You know this is true, right? So if you want to get strong, right? You have to do something in order to get strong. We just really don't like this word in our culture, right? But if you want to get strong, you've got to exercise, <laughs> right? If you want to get strong, you got to exercise. It's, it's just the way it works. Well, same way with integrity. You want to grow in your integrity, you got to just start today and ask God to give you integrity moments so you can exercise integrity and grow 
in your integrity. We grow in integrity when we exercise integrity. Second thing, want to grow in integrity, you not only exercise and ask for those integrity moments, but find some people and surround yourself with people of integrity. Look, look around. Find another Christ follower. Find a group of Christ followers. Get in that group of Christ followers who you look at and say, wow, those, those are people of integrity. Just guys, especially, man, get with some guys that, that you can surround yourself with who are integrity people, right? So you look at Psalm 78, and it lifts up David, right? Now, that's kind of amazing because David was not a perfect guy. He, he didn't always get it right, right? He had some huge flaws in his life, and yet Psalm 78 lifts David up as a person of ultimate integrity, right? So you're not looking for perfect people, right? You're not, they don't walk on water. They're not perfect people, but they're people who continue to struggle and grow in integrity, right? The psalmist says about David, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. You need to surround yourself with people of integrity. And Jesus, in Matthew 23, Jesus is kind of lifted up as kind of that model of integrity. So here's what you're looking for, right? When you're looking for these people, here's what you're looking for. And ironically, it's the Pharisees that he criticizes in Matthew 22 here. It's ironically them who are trying to trap him, and yet they acknowledge his integrity, Right? And here's, here's what it says in 16. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. A teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity. Right? So they, we know this. All right? We know you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. These are going to be, be men or women who are in the word. Right? They're going to be folks in the word. That's the first thing. You've got to look for people who are in the word. That's where integrity grows from. Look for folks in the Word. And then it says, you aren't swayed by others. What are you looking for? You're looking for somebody who's consistent. They show integrity. They're consistent in, in what they say and what they do, what they believe and what they do in their actions. And, and their life isn't moving all over the place. They don't sway to and fro. Paul says, not swaying to and fro with every wind of doctrine. They're just really consistent believers. Right? And so you're looking for these folks who display that integrity that are in the Word, that they don't uh, sway around. It says, you're not swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then what's your opinion. That's what you want. You want to surround yourself with integrity people. Now, as you succeed in integrity, as you surround yourself with integrity people, you also have to understand your integrity is going to come under attack. As you grow in it, as you get people around you, your integrity will come under attack. Why? Well, what did we say in the beginning? The world expects hypocrisy, right? That's what they expect. That's what the world is searching for. That's what they're looking for in our lives. They expect that. The evil one wants that in our lives. And so as you grow in integrity, your integrity is going to come under attack. You got Job. Job. Uh, how many read the book of Job or know about the story of Job? Know about Job? Okay, so Job was a guy who was riding high. Life was good. You know, he was successful. He was prosperous. His family prosperous. Everything was great with Job. And then all of a sudden for Job, his life 
fell apart because he became under attack by the evil one, right? And the evil one ultimately wanted to destroy Job even in his integrity. And we get the tip off in Job 2, okay? Job 2, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity. See that? Though you incite me against him to ruin him without any reason. You see, the evil one was attacking Job's integrity. He was attacking his integrity. So you have to understand, as you grow in integrity... You just have to be ready for it. And some of you, you're there right now. Some of you are going through some stuff in your life that's really attacking your integrity, right? And you just need to hold your ground. Get those people around you to support you or people of integrity. Stay in that word, right? And and see it as an opportunity to display integrity. Proverbs 29 just blatantly just kind of lays it out. The bloodthirsty hate a person of integrity. And they seek to kill the upright. You just got to get ready for that. Just got to get ready for that. And one of the ways your integrity is going to be attacked is by others. And so you just have to resolve to grow in your integrity by shutting down those voices that would try to get you to compromise your integrity. And we can see it here in the book of Job. We have Job and his kind, loving, compassionate, generous wife comes to Job in his despair, Job 2, and says, Are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. You get that I was like being sarcastic there about kind, gentle, loving, compassionate wife, right? You get that? Uh, Okay, well, I was, just in case you know, right? I mean, this is his wife. His wife is coming at him, right? And saying, Job, give it up. Just give it all up. Forget it, man. Just give up your integrity. Give it all up. Right? And he had three close friends. Three of his closest friends. They come at him. And they want him to give up his integrity. Right? So you just got to know, as you grow in integrity, your integrity is going to come under attack. And there's going to be people who try to sway you and get you to compromise your integrity. But you got to hold on. You just got to grow through that. Why? Because integrity really ultimately matters. It's really important. Integrity matters. Proverbs 19 says, better, notice that word. It's going to say, this is the better way, right? Better. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a man who is perverse in speech and is foul. So the guy that's perverse in speech and foul is he's sacrificing his integrity in order to get worldly gain. Right to become worldly prosperous, he's sacrificing his his integrity. Right, and Proverbs is saying, "Listen, that that guy may gain the wealth of the world, but it's better to be poor in the wealth of the world and have your integrity. It's better to be poor in the wealth of the world and still have your integrity." If you look at Job again, now I want you to notice what chapter is this? This is chapter twenty-seven. Remember where we started with our our verses in Job? It was chapter 2. So for, do the math, 25 verses now, Job has been getting pounded 
and, and his wife, his friends, have been pounding him, his situation, to compromise his integrity. And in chapter 27, Job says, As long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not say anything wicked, and my tongue will not utter lies. I will never admit you are in the right till I die. I will not deny what? What did Job know? You can take away all the other stuff. You can take away all the other worldly stuff. But you can't take away my integrity. Because integrity absolutely matters. It matters. So why does it matter? What's the big thing about integrity? What, what do you get when you walk in integrity? Here's some things the scripture says that we receive when we walk in integrity. One, when you walk in integrity, it provides you security. What's that mean? Well, when you walk in integrity and your, your thoughts and your words always match your actions, you don't have to look over your shoulder wondering, now, what did I tell this person and what did I tell that person? And You know what I mean? You don't, you don't have to wonder and try to remember how you negotiated and what you said and what you did to this person or that person. When your integrity is intact and you're acting consistently, you just know. It's kind of captured in Proverbs 10. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. You see, it's always going to come out. The crooked path guy is always wondering who knows what and who's going to say this, and he's always insecure, wondering, because he hasn't lived with integrity. When you live with integrity, you have a sense of rightness and security in your life. Get it? Second, integrity, integrity has already made many of our decisions for us. When you walk in integrity, decisions become a whole lot easier because integrity makes the decisions for us. If you're just going to walk in your integrity, you don't have to wrestle through some of the stuff. You don't have to struggle through some of the decisions because those decisions are so easy. They're already made because you made the decision first to walk in integrity. Right? Here's what it says. The integrity of the upright, well, that's going to do what? Integrity of the upright is going to guide them. Right? Integrity just guides us. Integrity makes decisions for us. When we walk in integrity, it just makes life a whole lot easier because we already know by our integrity decisions that we're going to make. It's a done deal. We just walk in integrity. Second, or third, integrity elevates. And this is so cool. Integrity elevates. This is out of the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls. He needs to look to somebody to take over command. And it says, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because... So why does he put them in charge? Because he was a man of integrity. What does integrity do? Integrity elevates. Integrity elevates. After the 8 o'clock service this morning, I, I shared this message, and uh, one of our men came up to me and he said, Pastor, I can't tell you the number of times in my business that, you know, I've, I've sold something and, and I, you know, I sold it and the customer sends me a check for it and then they make a bookkeeping error or something and they send me a second check so I get like double paid for, for the same item. 
And, and he says, you know, I call him up and I say, hey, you guys, you double paid me. I'm sending your check back. You see, you know, every time that's happened, he said, that customer, that customer is still with me. That customer never leaves me. Why does the customer never leave? Because integrity elevates. They know they have somebody with integrity. And integrity elevates. Right? You look at Psalm 41. May you have mercy on me, Lord. Raise me up that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. I get elevated, right? Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Integrity just elevates us. It elevates our life. Why? Remember where we started today. Because the world doesn't expect it. They don't expect it. And so when we display integrity, it's just going to elevate us. And in the process, it's going to elevate Christ. Here's the last word. This is the most, I think, powerful word that I'm going to share with you this morning. Okay? This is for moms and dads. This is for grandpa and grandmas. Okay? This is a powerful truth about integrity. Integrity lasts. Integrity isn't just something for the moment. Integrity has generational influence. I can prove it to you. Because it's not only exercise of integrity that has influence, but it's the exercise of the lack of integrity that has influence too. So my family didn't grow up very prosperous. My dad was a sharecropper, right? So money was always pretty tight in my growing up years. And, uh, you know, we would go somewhere and uh, you'd have to buy a ticket to get an entrance into somewhere. And, you know, there was always this thing where it said 12 and under is this much and 13 and older is this much. I was 12 years old for probably two years. Right? Why? Because they didn't exercise integrity. And I remember it. I remember it. Now, there are times they, they did, absolutely. Times my dad exercised incredible integrity in really difficult times. And I remember those, too. I remember those. But it's a truth. It's just a truth. Integrity lasts. It lasts. It affects us not just now, but generations. It's captured here in Proverbs 20. A righteous man who walks in his integrity, blessed are his sons when? After. See that? After him. Mom, dad, grandpa, grandma, you want to make an impact in your kids' and grandkids' lives? Commit today to be a person of integrity all the time. All the time. And when we make that commitment, it influences not just our kids who come after, but that's going to be our witness point because the world doesn't expect it. And God's going to elevate you. He's going to elevate you into opportunities of integrity. And that's where you're going to make the witness. That's where you're going to influence those co-workers and other family members and those folks out there that are around you. It's when you commit to exercise integrity. It may be a forgotten virtue for the world. It cannot be a far forgotten virtue for us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you this morning. Uh, for this word and uh, we do want to be people of integrity and so we just we come to you as the source and the strength 
And, and we just pray that you would fill us up with this truth this morning and help us to just seek it, to want it, desire integrity. So we already ask right now, we ask in the coming week, exercise us, give us those moments of integrity, that we can just exercise it and exercise it, that we can grow in it, not just for ourselves, but for the generation that follows us, not just for ourselves, but for the witness that it makes in a world that has forgotten. So Lord, bless us. Bless us with such commitment, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.